This article, entitled The Ass and the Messiah, first appeared in Theopolis, March 16, 2021. There's an unspoken rule about typology that permeates evangelical thinking. It goes something like this. If the New Testament authors don't use an Old Testament character as a type, we don't either. There's a soundness in this reasoning, at least in a preliminary sense. There's no better instructor for interpreting scripture than scripture. One ought not want to say more than the text says, but since the Protestant understanding of regula fide doesn't preclude us from trying to understand passages on which the New Testament is silent, we must read as much of scripture through as much of scripture as possible. What should emerge will be biblical readings that are sometimes imaginatively derived, but not out of bounds. The grammatico-historical hermeneutic should never be pitted against the regula fide. Rather, it should point to the regions in which the student of Scripture is beginning to leave the land of primary importance and enter into the regions of secondary and tertiary importance. There's good fruit to be harvested in those fields, like Joseph as a kind of Christ figure or possibly even Balaam's ass. Here's the passage from Numbers. Numbers 22, 21-32 Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the Moabite officials. But God was very angry when he went, and the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Balaam was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, it turned off the road into a field. Balaam beat it to get it back on the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path through the vineyards with walls on both sides. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it lay down under Balaam, and he was angry and beat it with his staff. And the Lord opened the donkey's mouth, and it said to Balaam, What have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? Balaam answered the donkey, You've made a fool of me. If only I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. The donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your own donkey, which you've always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, he said. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw then the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down. The angel of the Lord asked him, Why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I've come here to oppose you, because your path is a reckless one before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If it had not turned away, I certainly would have killed you by now, but I would have spared it. When we read this passage, one of the first questions we may ask ourselves is, what stands out? Immediately we'd be drawn to the uniqueness of the talking animal. This is such a unique occurrence, not only in the Bible, but anywhere. What's the cause to which a talking animal is the effect? It's the injustice of Balaam's violence toward his donkey. God says it shows a recklessness in Balaam that needs addressing. 
Because Balaam agrees with the ass that he has been faithful and good thus far, God stays his own hand. God then opens Balaam's eyes, and he sees the world in a way that corresponds to the word of the animal. Now they both see the angel. In fact, there is a role reversal that Balaam did not see coming. He says that if he had a sword, he would have immediately killed the donkey. But the angel of the Lord does have a sword, and he shows mercy to wicked Balaam. As students of the Bible, one of the next things that come to the fore might be the unjust smiting of another character elsewhere in Scripture, whom God vindicated. If we're on to something, we should expect the response of this character when smitten to pair well with the response of the ass. John 18, verses 19 to 23. The high priest then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always meet, and in secret I have said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask those who heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. And when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Do you answer the high priest like that? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? Hmm. That worked. So let's see if there's a natural fit that exists between more of the pieces in each of the passages of Scripture. Is there correspondence that seems to organically take place between these two characters who are shown to be beaten despite their reputations which should have merited them favor? The Bible notably uses the motif of a beast and its rider a couple of times throughout both Testaments. Neither the rider nor the beast is inconsequential. If we were to consider the ass as a kind of Christ figure, then who might correspond to Balaam? Let's examine what we know about him. He's a prophet of the Most High. He appears to be in a genuine relationship with God, but in the end, he's clearly marked by the Apostle Peter as being an enemy of God's people. The most obvious fit would be the ruling Jews. So let's try it and see if it works. At first glance, Balaam is a mystery. In the opening scenes, we're told that he's in fellowship with God to the degree that if he goes aside to commune with the Lord, God makes his way known unto him. He appears to be a friend of God's. This at least matches up with what we know of the Jewish leaders in Christ's day. Weren't they truly in covenant with the Lord? Wasn't theirs the oracles of God and the promises? Then, why would they oppose the Lord's anointed? This is a fair question to ask of both Balaam and the Pharisees. Balaam and the Pharisees, who opposed Christ, are the perfect blend of covenantal office-holding and a state of unregeneracy. God will speak through them both, but the punishment is greater since they are not only denying the Lord, but denying the reality of covenantal blessing, specifically the presence of God. The Jewish authorities, like Balaam, heard the word from the mouth which God had opened and still went aside. 
In Ezekiel 3.27, God talks to the prophet as the son of man and a kind of Messiah character whose mouth God will open in order to have him speak the truth to rebellious and blind covenantal household. In this way, the initially suspected sins of the ass will become the literal actions of the Jewish authorities as they've been patterned in the past. They truly did turn aside. They truly did crush the heel of Christ. They truly will lie prostrate as a beast of burden. That seemed to be a necessary binding agent, a unifying principle to the suggestion of Christ being typified by Balaam's ass. Well, in fact, there is such a passage. In Isaiah, God renders himself as being analogous to a beast of burden, showing that he'll carry Israel in ways that he has always carried them, despite their taking his service and faithfulness for granted. God would burden himself with the task of bringing Israel into a place they couldn't have reached on their own. Bel bows down. Nebo stoops. Their idols are on beasts and livestock. These things you carry are borne as burdens on weary beasts. They stoop. They bow down together. They cannot save the burden, but themselves go into captivity. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel who've been born by me from before your birth, carried away from the womb, even to your old age. I'm he, and to the gray hairs I will carry you. I've made, and I will bear, I will carry, and will save. To whom will you liken and make me equal and compare me? that we may be alike. Isaiah 46, 1-13 Exercises like these need not limit the way we interpret the passage. The strength of practicing this way of reading the text will be to create a kind of hyper-awareness, an intertextual perspective. We ought never read a portion of Scripture in isolation from the rest of Scripture. Not even Scripture reads itself this way.